Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 22nd of July. And on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 2016. We travel to Rome where Pope Francis passed a decree declaring today to be a major feast day in honour of Mary Magdalene to be celebrated annually on July the 22nd. This was an upgrading of what was already an obligatory memorial to a major feast. And the specific preface was added to the Mass to refer to her explicitly as the Apostle to the Apostles. A reference to her crucial evangelical role as being the first person to witness the resurrected Christ on Easter Sunday morning. It is widely accepted among secular historians that, like Jesus, Mary Magdalene was a real historical figure. Nonetheless, very little is known about her life. Like the Apostle Paul, Mary has left behind no writings of her own, and she was never mentioned in any of the Pauline epistles, and only in the Gospels, which were written a little bit after Paul's letters. As well as the prominent role in the Gospel narratives she is given as being present at the crucifixion when Jesus had been abandoned by his apostles, in all the Gospels she is then portrayed rushing to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning in order to clean and anoint Jesus' body, as Jewish culture would have it. Jesus had died on the Friday and she had been precluded from visiting on the Saturday because it was the Sabbath. However, in John's Gospel, she returns alone to the empty tomb on Easter Sunday, and the risen Jesus actually appears to her. She first mistakes him for a gardener, but when she realises it is him, Jesus instructs her to tell his disciples of his resurrection. Thus, she becomes the apostle to the apostles. For Jesus to entrust a woman with such an important message at a time when women weren't admitted even as witnesses in court was seen as radical. The role of women in the early church is discussed in the podcast of April the 4th. Mary Magdalene also became a central figure in later Gnostic Christian writings such as the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Philip and the Gospel of Mary and also in other texts. In these extra-biblical texts, she's portrayed as being Jesus' closest and most beloved disciple, and the only one who truly understands his teachings. In this apocryphal tradition, there is a tension with Peter, the rock on which Jesus will build his church. But Peter is portrayed as being jealous of the special teachings supposedly given to her. And 2,000 years later, Peter's successor, Pope Francis, will upgrade her liturgical celebration. There is still some confusion about where else she might have appeared in the Gospels. In Luke there is an unnamed woman, identified as a sinner, who bathes Jesus' feet with her tears, dries them, puts ointment on them. In the 5th century, Pope Gregory who became known as Pope Gregory the Great, conflated her with Mary Magdalene in a sermon saying, 
This woman who Luke calls a sinner and John calls Mary, I think is the Mary from whom Mark reports that seven demons were cast out. However, a bit earlier, this was not what Origen said when writing against Celsus, a second century Greek philosopher. And the Eastern Church also maintained that the three women were probably separate figures and people. Recently, some theologians, often operating with a feminist hermeneutic, argued that this was Gregory's attempt to smear Mary Magdalene as being a reformed prostitute. Although, historically, this does not seem to be a just accusation, as there was a wider confusion with Mary of Bethany. Later in the 16th century, the Jesuit poet Robert Sewell penned a tract called Mary Magdalene's Funeral Tears, in which he describes Mary Magdalene as crying over Lazarus, confusing her with Lazarus's sister Mary of Bethany. And also Gregory was canonised by popular acclaim. As a doctor of the church, he is admired for his teaching and he is considered a saint by multiple denominations. Even the reformer John Calvin said, that Gregory was the last good Pope. And he is still remembered for the first recorded large-scale mission from Rome, sending the Benedictine monk Anselm to Canterbury. After the liturgical reforms of Vatican II in the 20th century, Paul VI made some discreet alterations to the readings for the then memorial of Mary Magdalene. Until then, the prescribed reading was from the Gospel of Luke, in which an unnamed woman enters a house where Jesus is a dinner guest and abases herself, washing his feet with her tears and wiping them dry with her hair. Which to Jesus says to her, thy sins are forgiven. However, in 1969, Paul VI replaced this with a very different reading from chapter 20 of the Gospel of John, in which Jesus reveals himself to Mary Magdalene, the resurrection. He calls to her, Woman, why are you crying? Then calling her name, saying, Mary. And she recognises him and replies, Rabunai, which is to say, Master. Mary of Bethany's feast day and that of her brother Lazarus and their sister Martha is now on July the 29th. However, Mary Magdalene has remained an intriguing figure for the wider culture. The start of the second millennium in Western Europe, writers began developing elaborate fictional biographies of Mary Magdalene's life, in which they heavily embellished upon the vague details given in the Gospels. Mary Magdalene's wealth and social status became heavily exaggerated. And under the influence of stories about other female saints, such as Mary of Egypt, painters in Italy during the 9th and the 10th century gradually began to develop this image of Mary Magdalene living alone in the desert as a penitent ascetic. The popularity of these images made them in demand. They were copied new paintings were painted and they spread to Germany and England. 
around 1050, the monks of the Abbey of La Madeleine in Burgundy in France claimed to discover her actual skeleton. And 200 years later, the bones were brought before the King of France himself, who venerated them. However, 30 years later, the King of Naples claimed to have discovered another purported burial of Mary Magdalene, also in France, but this time in Provence, claiming to have found the shrine intact, with an explanatory inscription stating why the relics had been hidden. They soon developed a pilgrim site with a new Gothic basilica on the site. And the King did a deal with the townspeople, that in return for providing accommodation for pilgrims, they were exempt from taxes. And thus Provence gradually displaced Burgundy in popularity and acceptance. Because of the legend saying that Mary Magdalene had been a prostitute, she became the patroness of wayward women. And in the 18th century, moral reformers established Magdalene asylums to help save women from prostitution. Despite the Vatican's rejection of this view of Mary as a repentant prostitute, it only grew more prevalent in popular culture, and she is still portrayed as one in Nikos Kazantzakis' 1955 novel, The Last Temptation of Christ, and Martin Scorsese's popular 1988 film adaptation of it. Similarly, in Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice's rock opera, Jesus Christ Superstar. And it was only in the recent film, Mary Magdalene, starring Rooney Mara, that she was no longer portrayed as a repentant prostitute. Whilst also combating the conspiracy theories of her being Jesus' wife or sexual partner. Instead, the film portrays her as Jesus' closest disciple and the only one who truly understands his teachings. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can, as we look at the death of the priest who invented a hurricane warning system. I hope you've enjoyed listening. For links to any of the readings that I've done to research these podcasts, visit us on www.pogp.net. And if you'd like to request a topic or ask any questions, then email the show on pogppod.net gmail.com If you have time, please subscribe and share the podcast with friends. Have a lovely day wherever you are and thanks for listening.